Was that, that'll be when you pause. That's when it's my turn to talk. Correct. Easy. Easy. Got it sorted. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Clinician Podcast, a series of interviews with inspiring health professionals who want to make a genuine difference to the world. This being their clients, their staff, their team members, their family, all whilst contributing to the ever-growing body of knowledge that is clinical care. I'm your host, Jo Muirhead. I'm a rehabilitation counsellor by qualification. However, I'm passionate about private practice. I believe if we truly want to see the changes to healthcare that we all say we want, then private practice holds the answer. I've created this interview series as an additional resource for my book, The Entrepreneurial Clinician, which is a book designed to help the modern, savvy and thoughtful health professional think about what it means to be both a clinician and an entrepreneur. So my guest today is Dean Lawler. You might not know this, but Dean's actually a bit of a hero of mine. One of the reasons for this is when I first met Dean, he actually asked for help. But what he asked for was help with his own self-care. And this request impressed me greatly. Here is a man with a great business living in a beautiful part of the country, understanding that he needed to work on himself. He knew that if he didn't get his self-care worked out, he was going to miss his kids. He loves his family. He is a devoted father and husband. Dean is also a private practice owner of four sites in what is a regional area here in New South Wales. He is the clinical director of all four sites and has an incredible passion for raising up new graduates. I've actually had the pleasure of being treated by Dean and one of his team and I happened to become migraine-free as a result, something I didn't think was ever going to happen. Dean is also passionate about the communities that he operates in, and you will find him and his members of his teams out and about sharing their knowledge and skills pretty much at any community function. Dean was born in Inverell, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere for anybody who knows yeah. Sydney. <laughs> and a fun fact, his nicknames are Mophead, and Lord Stark of Winterfell. Long story, long story. <laughs> One of his biggest passions is baseball, which I happen to know nothing about. But we've probably just had all my listeners from the USA prick up their ears and go, here's a guy worth listening to. So, Dean, thank you so much for agreeing to this interview. And I just want to add thank you so much for willing to help health professionals because you're kind of a cool guy to get to know. Yes. So I want to ask, how did your love of baseball come about? Oh, so I played baseball in Sydney for many years, um, growing up as, uh, as a youngster in Sydney, and my parents moved to Port Macquarie, and we just continued playing baseball here in Port Macquarie. Basically, my parents started baseball in Port Macquarie. Um, it was one of those sports that um, it, it just grabs you and you just, you just you can't let it go. Even today, I can't let it go. Um, it, it fights my boat. It's, uh, it, it makes me feel joy, joyful. I love it. I love my Yankees. Um, I love the history behind the Yankees, the Babe Ruth, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, all of them. I'm a massive Derek Jeter fan, so that might resonate with some of your, your American fans, or it may not. Um, <laughs> there's a massive, massive rivalry between the Yankee, Yankees and, and, and the uh, Boston Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox just beat us in the, uh, in, in the ALCS, which is some of your listeners might know. But yeah, my passion for baseball, I've had it for years. Um, uh, yeah, I just love it to death. 
I watch it as I watch it as much as I can. Yes, I, I remember walking into one of your <laughs> your premises and there's this giant TV showing baseball. I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, this yeah. feels weird. A lot of yeah. uh, Americans will say to me, "Well, it's just like cricket, isn't it?" To which we uh, say, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no. <laughs> Baseball's better. <laughs> oh, oh, mm. oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so when I started writing this book, you, yeah. I actually thought of you. I, you I did. Thought, I did. I actually. <laughs> this is how unscripted this is. I really do think of you because you helped me to start. A lot, women, a lot of women think of me. That's fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Let's <laughs> bring it back. Come on. Okay. Bring it back. Sorry. <laughs> you were actually one of the first people that helped me start to realize that this thing about being an entrepreneur was something that health professionals could grab a hold of. Um, yeah. Yeah, some, yeah, something about the way you went about who you were and how you did your business that made me go, there's the passion and enthusiasm that is missing from health businesses. Sure. What I also got really excited about was the way you turned that energy and that passion into looking after your people. Yeah. So, Dean, how did you go about this? How did you work this out? Honestly, it was initially it was trial and error. Um, I'd seen and watched a lot of a lot of different practices and the way they practiced and the way they treated their staff, um, and what they did to self care. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely a path that I did not want to go down. Um, I think you need to really value your stuff, but also you need to value yourself and, and your own health and your own well-being. Get those two right. Uh, you know, there's, other, there's obviously a lot of other stuff you need to get right, but you, you need to find your why, why you're doing what you, why you're doing. What you're doing. Um, and if you can grab hold of that why you want to do it, if you really set out to make a change and you really want to make a change, then you need to go for that. That's the path you need to go down. So what's your why? Because you're a physio yeah, I honestly love what I do. I get up in the morning and go, I'm going to work today. And I love that. I generally love what I do. I love helping people. It's always, I, honestly, it was a calling. I knew I was always meant to do that. I generally love helping people. It, it, there's no, it's like a drug. Yes. When you can fix someone's back pain or neck pain or headaches, it's, it's a dead set drug. I feed off that. And that just gives me so much energy. And you, you, you explain that to young physios. Yeah, they don't always get it, but until they get their first experience with a, with a client and they've helped, yeah, you can actually, they get addicted. It is addictive. It's addictive being a physician and being able to help someone. You've got to truly love what you do first though. Oh, absolutely. If you're, doing it, if you're doing it for money, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Pure and simple. <laughs> so then what, what does the term entrepreneurial clinician bring up for you? What do you think it means? It does it apply? What's in it for you? Uh, actually, I don't really class myself as an entrepreneur. Um, I guess I, I guess in a certain way, you know, maybe I, I see opportunities and I know there's opportunities. Um, you know, one of the one of my biggest faults is I've got to stop myself from acting on some opportunities, and that's that's one of my biggest challenges. I see stuff and go. You talk to my business partner Rob, and uh, he's forever saying to me, Dean, can, mate, you need to keep your brain quiet. Seriously, we can't keep doing this, this, and this. Stick to one thing at a time, champ. And I find it really hard to. Mm. Um, so if you count that as a, being an entrepreneur, being able to see opportunities and, 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 and have vision, yes, I guess I am, but I don't class myself as an, as an entrepreneur. Um, I think if you generally love what you do, 
and you're able to reproduce what you do um, in the best way you can. Yeah, I guess by having multiple sites, does that mean you're an entrepreneur? I don't know. Um, I just generally love what I do and I, can, and I see opportunity. Yes. And sometimes I'll act on that opportunity. Yeah. Um, sometimes it doesn't always work out. But I guess you've got to learn from those mistakes. I guess so does that mean I'm an entrepreneur? I don't know. I don't class myself as a, as a pure entrepreneur though. No, okay. So you're a health professional first, you're a physio first? Always. Always. I love what I do. Yeah. So there... But I'm also a realist. Yeah, yes, I get that. <laughs> so, I have a mortgage to pay and children to feed. <laughs> and you've developed a business model that allows you to do that. But it's yes. not come from how much money do I need to make. It's come from how many people can I help. Is oh, that God. Most definitely, yeah. I think it, it, if you go into a business thinking, oh, I'm going to make X amount of money, then you're going into the wrong way. But if you go into the, the vision of, I'm going to help as many people as I can, then the money can only naturally fly from there anyway. Yes. If you do a good job, provide a good service, try other people to do what you do, it can only flow on from there. That's, that's the win. Yeah. That is the win. <laughs> and it's... Out. Straight yeah. down the line. There's no, there's no alternative. That is how you win. Yeah. That, that is how you win. Yeah. So you see a lot of students coming through. Actually, you're incredibly passionate about students yeah. and you're incredibly yeah. passionate about raising up the new generations. Yeah. So what is it about the way they are thinking and, and what they have to offer in, in terms of a, a more modern way of thinking that you love? What sure. are they bringing? So when I graduated... 20 something plus years ago. Um, I basically came out of private practice. I knew I wanted to be a private practice physio um, because I liked that challenge that challenging environment. Um, my, yeah. And so that, that, that's what always drove me. And I pretty much came out and I literally faked it until I made it. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew I had the clinical skills. Yes. Um, I, had, I had the diagnostic reasoning. I had the, you know, all, all the other thing that goes with you when they teach you an undergrad. But I didn't have the business skills. Yeah. I had no idea. No one teaches you business at university. Um, you basically fake it until you make it. Um, and I quickly learnt going along the way that um, there were certain people who I would look up to from a business point of view. It wasn't always the people I was working with. There was people on the, the outside. I would look and watch what they did. And I thought, well, that's pretty smart. Mm -hmm. So what are they bringing out? It, yeah, I'm... I'm it actually concerns me a little bit about the new grads that are coming through because they're not getting an opportunity to a lot of them to go into private practice. Yes. And when you consider, um, I think the recent statistics in, in, in Australia, why there's 2,300 new grads graduating from physio this year. Wow. About 65% of those of all, of all new grads we know go out into private practice or want to go into private practice. A lot of the unis are catering for these new grads to go into private practice because uh, they're not getting the, that private practice experience. As a clinic owner, mm. that scares the shite out of me, having someone who's never been in a private practice or never been had a private practice clinical experience, um, then to want to hire them as a, as a new grad. Um, I'm a big believer, and we do a lot of mentoring, a lot of training with our new grads. We have a 12-month program. Um, because I don't want them to fake it till they make it. I don't want them. To, I don't want to wait twelve months before they finally get it. Yes. And when I say get it, it's not. It's not trying to get as many patients in through the door as you can. It's not a sausage factory. It's being able to connect with the patient, engage with them. You engage them. We engage with them properly and correctly. They're the ones who will then sell you to their next, to the next, to their brother, to their sister, to the mother. That's how you win. 
Yes. Do, the, do it properly the first time. Engage with the patient. And that's how you will you will grow. And so that's what we're trying to teach. Um, teach. That's what I, I teach new grads how to engage with the patient. Um, and that's 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 um, that's vitally important because if they can't engage with the patient, um, they're going to struggle. I can teach you the good skills of a physio. I can't teach you a personality. No. If you, if you don't have the personality to be a physio, and only you know that, if you can't talk to someone. If you can't have a conversation with someone be able to ask them what their problem is and be able to listen to that, think about that, turn that over your head and ask the next appropriate question, you're going to struggle. Mm, mm. So I see there's a massive gap between new grads coming out and what, they t- and what they're taught at university. And, you know, hopefully that will change over time. There, there is a bit of a push in the physio industry to try and change that. So hopefully that happens because you no longer will the public put up with faking it till you make it, which is like I do. No. No, no. you're absolutely right. And no, I don't want to find some, be treated by somebody who doesn't know what they're doing or no. perception that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yep. That terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Well, so it terrifies you from a, from a patient perspective. It terrifies me from a business perspective because, you know, it, it, it's a, there's a lot of time, money and energy spent trying to upskill a new grad. Um, why aren't they doing it at the university level? Yeah. Uh, when 5% of their graduates go into private practice. It's insane. So, so that's one of the things I'm trying to change. Yes. Um, we, Rob, Robin, Robin, myself, and a, and a couple of physios in Brisbane are trying to change that. We have a, a, um, a, a Facebook page called Private Practice Prepared, yes. where we're basically trying to um, basically give new grads the skills and tools to be able to survive and thrive in private practice from day one, not wait six months. 12 months before they ready to go, yeah, I've got the hand on this. Then what happens after 12 months? What do they do? They chuff off. Yeah. They go overseas. They go somewhere else because they know what to do now. I've told them. So we're trying to upskill them before they actually go into private practice. So we've had a couple of courses up in Brisbane, which have been great. We're going to do a couple of them in Sydney. And that's something that I'm really passionate about because I don't want to, I don't want to have another, I don't want to spend another 12 to six months training a new grad before I know they're right to go. I think you've touched on something that a lot of a uh, lot of us as practice owners, regardless of our discipline, one of our biggest challenges is keeping good talent. Um, yeah. Because, like you said, you feel like you it takes a lot of time to onboard or to recruit, onboard, upskill, make sure the culture is well embedded, and then they, like you said, they chop off. They, in my instance, I find a lot of my occupational therapists want to go and have a family. Yeah, very, <laughs> very selfish. It is. It's like, damn you, <laughs> or they want to travel, or you know, yeah. they want to move into state. Yeah. And so, what I, what excites me here is that you've actually gone. How do I meet that need as an as a potential employer yeah. without it being such a cost burden in time, yeah. energy, and money to myself, but also upskilling these people so I know that when they come to me, they're actually ready. Yes, that's yeah. great. So we've had a lot of clinic owners come to us and go, "Can you can." We put, can we put our new grads through your program? Um, wow. So we're just implementing. So we do um, um, weekend courses, one day or two day courses, uh, and we're in the process of developing an online format where um, new grads can actually touch base with an online format, get some mentoring online, um, and learn the clinical skills and the business skills that they need to be able to go from day one. So is this to help a brand new graduate set up their own practice or a brand new graduate to go into someone's practice? Or both. It, it can be both. Wow. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of clinical skills that you obviously need to learn. Mm. But there's a lot of business skills that mm. I 
have I've had business coaches over the years, you know, as you know, um, and I've, I've gleaned stuff that I know that works for us. And so, yeah, it quite easily allows someone who wants to open up their own business, um, give them a leg up. Um, I certainly wouldn't have, been, I went into a practice, an existing practice, I certainly wouldn't have gone out on my own because I would have had no idea what I was doing. Mm. Um, this is an opportunity for someone to go out on their own or um, uh, what I would recommend though is going into a, an existing practice after, you know, after your first year because you want you want to get that mentoring. You've got to find a good mentor. Oh, uh, if you don't have that, that's that's absolutely crucial. Yeah, I uh, often talk about the fact that I think we put people who come out of any discipline and think that they want to start their business straight away are putting so much pressure on themselves because you're still learning your craft. It, you, yeah, so big time. To, to then go and think that you've got to, you can go and do all this new learning around a business, you're, you're really not yeah. helping yourself or your clients' patients. Yeah. No, definitely, yeah. Wow. So that was, what do you think the number one thing is to be successful in a clinical career? What do you think the thing is you cannot live without, regardless of the stage of your, your clinical career? What do you need? Oh, you've got to have vision, I think. You've got to have vision for what you want. You, but yeah, it might, it might be big and shiny out here, but you've got to know what, what the big and shiny thing is, what, what the end goal is. Um, and, and that's different for, for everyone. And that changes over time. Yes. Now, when I initially came out, I, this is pre-kids. And so, you know, it was just Michelle and myself, my wife, who has been my biggest supporter um, uh, in my whole physio career. Um, and, you know, without, without her, I could not do what, what I do. Um, but, you know, along the way, that, that just changes. That changes when you have kids. Um, my two beautiful stand, my two beautiful downstairs. Like you know, your your values change, and the shiny ball changes and morphs into something different. So, but you've still got to ha- hold on to a vision of what you want and mm. what you're trying to achieve. Mm. Um, if you don't have that, you don't have that end goal. If you're just, you know, why are you getting up in the morning? Yeah. Why are you getting up? In the morning? I get up in the morning because I love what I do. Um, my my vision has changed a little bit, and who I want to help has changed. But my values have changed a little bit as well because they change over time when you have family or all your circumstances change. But you need to have vision. I think it's honestly, it's probably one of the most important things you need to have. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So here's a different question for you. What would it be like for the community? So you're in Port Macquarie, Warhope. Lauriton. Lauriton. And where's the fourth one? We've got another one. We've got two in Port Macquarie. Oh, you've got two in Port now. Okay, cool. What would be the outcome or the benefit, not benefit, the opposite of benefit, the, <laughs> the disaster, what would be yeah. the fallout if you guys stopped being in those four sides? What would happen to your communities? Ooh. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it would survive <laughs> without us. Look, there are some, honestly, there's some, we have, we're really fortunate, we have some really good, talented physios, allied health professionals in town. So... Um, we're, we're really, really fortunate. Um, so, you know, we've got some really, really good, really good practitioners. Um, what would it look like if we went here? Like, we, I don't know, we, I don't want to float my own boat, but we contribute a fair bit to the community. Yes. Um, we, we are out as much as we can. We sponsor multiple events. We sponsor a lot of um, um, sporting teams. We sponsor a lot of individual, te- uh, individual uh, sports people. Um, we're constantly at community events, supporting community events. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably look maybe someone else would pick that up. I don't know. Um, I think it would look pretty drab if we weren't there. We like to be seen. 
Mm. Um, and it's not to get our name out there. We generally love what, what we do. Rob, my business partner, he's also in the rural, rural um, fire, fire brigade. So he quite, quite often will get a call during treating that he's got to go and put out a bushfire. Wow. Now we've, we've talked about that and said, mate, if that's, mate, that's what we do, that's what we do. You do that. The patient will understand. Um, you know, we, we quite often give up our time to, um, uh, to the community. I, I do a, I do a, um, a pay it forward day yes. where I get patients to come and I'll, I will treat you for free. I'll treat you for free. I'll give you my 25 years of, of, of clinical experience. I'll treat you for free. If you generally can't afford to, to come and go and see a physiotherapist or an exercise physiologist, please come and see me. I do it every year. Um, I will continue to do it because I actually generally love what I do. And I would hate, I'm actually trying to get other, I've actually had that pay it for day um, extended to other clinics. Um, someone in Sydney got, got onto my idea and asked if I could use my idea. I said, go for it. So it's not my idea. I just thought it might be a good thing to do. So please continue on. So I've had two, other, two or three other practices do it since. Oh, I love that. That, that yeah. floats my boat. <laughs> Trying to do, I'm trying to get other other medical professionals in my area on one day a year. Yeah. One day, donate your clinical skills, whether it be a dentist, psychologist, GP. I don't care. Just donate one day a year to those who are truly in need. Fantastic. Just one day. And what a great way. So we we often think that sponsorship. Or, or a gift or is expensive. Like it's got to be a big cost, like yeah. a monetary yeah. investment. But here, here we are using the thing that, that's kind of the common sense for us that other people are amazed by. Yeah. And people go, oh, my dad's so, so generous. Well, yeah, well, it's not generous. I just, I generally love what I do. Mm. I'm, in a, I'm in a position that I can do that. And I understand not many practitioners could do that. There's a lot of other men, people in the medical field who could afford to have one day yeah. Or half a day, donate your services to those who really can't afford to, to, to access those services. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. great. We, at Purple Co, we usually have somebody on our books. We've got a very subsidised person at the moment, yeah. which was a negotiation we did with them, but we've often got somebody who can't afford or, and can't yeah. access. Yeah. So it's about making our services accessible. Yeah. I have a big thing about accessibility. Yeah, yeah. yeah same. So what do you think the future is for private practice? Where are the opportunities for us at the moment coming, yeah. coming up? Yes. Look, I, you know, everyone talks about telehealth, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, that is definitely a, an area of, for growth. Um, obviously, initially, I think you're still probably, from a physio point of view, point of view you still probably need that, you still need that hands-on um, approach first. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you get past a certain time frame, I think that you probably could go to a telehealth-type conference where it might be reviewing their exercise or removing their, their movement patterns. But I think initially, you probably still need to have that hands-on approach. I'm very hands-on. I like to get my hands on you. Um, I need to feel what's going on. So I still think that still needs to happen. Um, we currently use a program for our exercise program called PhysiTrack. I don't know whether you've heard of it. No, I haven't. Uh, PhysiTrack okay. Physi Physi is, is an online program that we can use and it has videos and exercise, videos and pictures of exercises. And those, um, and so it's fully interactive. Um, okay. And through, through PhysiTrack, we can... Uh, also, uh, do a teleconference through PhysiTrack. So, if you're having trouble with those exercises, you click a button, and then we can actually look at you doing those exercises, and then correct them, you know, uh, via via the internet. So, that's uh, that's a pretty good uh, piece of piece of um, uh, technology as well. Um, one thing I am seeing, and I am starting to see, uh, I've got a lot of friends in the US who are physios, physios or um, um, physical therapists. 
And what I'm seeing is that there's, and it's a growing, bit of a growing concern for me, there's a, there's a, a, a rise in the number of um, physicians or GPs buying allied health practices in the, in the yes. US. So I think that is a massive, um, that's a massive issue over there. Uh, and they're trying to market their services slightly different to, uh, um, to, to um, try and capture an audience. That is going to happen here yes. without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. And if you've, got, if you've got your head in the sand about that, then you need to pull it out. Mm. Uh, and you need to do something about it because it's going to happen with regards to whether you think it's not. I've seen it started to happen. It's started starting to happen already. So um, it's only going to continue to go on. Um, I think you need to have strategies in place um, um, already in place or start getting strategies in place to try and um, counteract that in a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I know that's what we're, we're trying to do. Um, and one of the ways we're actually trying to do that is direct access um, by doing by doing workshops. Um, again, you're creating a, a community presence. Um, you're becoming an expert in your field, so to speak. So we've done quite a few headache clinic uh, workshops yeah. where, we, where we invite the audience to come in. We talk about headaches and, and how the headaches can be related to the, to the top three cervical mm. spine. And then... Um, and, you know, extend that workshop from there, and then invite them into it to, to having an having an assessment. So, um, that's one avenue that we're going down, um, and I think that's an area from a from a marketing point of view that doesn't get done here in Australia very well. Yeah. Um, and I think there is a growing opportunity for clinicians to market their um, their services um, down that path because when they start to buy up GP, when GPs start to buy up clinics, then uh, it's a bit of a tight squeeze because that's sometimes that's where referrals come from. Now, my concern is I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have the gatekeeper um, control my referrals. Yeah. I want to control my own referrals. Mm. So that's what we're trying to do. And again, it's about giving people choice and it's about, Creating access, so I'm very sorry okay. I can't that again. <laughs> yeah, people, this is people becoming more aware of what they can access. People become more and more aware of what they can access, and yes. they're becoming more and more knowledgeable about their own. Now, Doctor Google's is 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 good and bad. Uh, it, it tends to make people a bit more aware of their body, and they tend to ask a lot more questions, um, and that's great. That is great. Instead of, instead of taking the word of a doctor or a physio or a chiro or whatever it might be, they're actually asking more questions. I love it. Which is great. They're asking questions. They're, they're seeking knowledge. And if you give them the right answers uh, without fluffing it or sugarcoating it, then they're going to be thankful for that. Yeah. And integrating Dr. Google into your treatment regime. It's like, okay, <laughs> so this is what you've learned. Great. <laughs> yes. That's actually not what happens, but this is what really happens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you looked it up. Yeah, I, yeah. Your, your discs are not floating around your back. That's not yeah, happening. Yeah. Yes, Don't ask me to slip your disc back in, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lose it if you'd ask me to do that once more. <laughs> All right, Dean, I'm gonna, uh, what, what are the top three things that you would like listeners to take away mm. from this interview today? If you, if you had a, an audience of thousands of people listening to you, what are the three things you want them to, to take away? One thing that I, I have always struggled with, and I still struggle with it today, okay, uh, and new grads need to learn this now. It's okay to say no. Because I still get messages from friends on Facebook at 8 o'clock at night or whatever it might be, Dean, I've hurt my back, can I see you tomorrow? 
um, I still struggle with saying no because that's just my nature. I love to help people. Yeah. Uh, if you can learn to say no, um, that's for your own personal well-being I'm talking about. I'm not yeah. saying no to the people down the street, but this is for your own personal well-being. And you can look out, and that way you can look after yourself. Then, if you can learn to say no, it's okay to say no. Yeah, it took me a long time yeah. to be able to say it's okay to say no. You don't have to fix everyone. You don't have to be the person that fixes everyone. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I've just worked out exactly where this interview fits into my book now. <laughs> right, light by moment. Yep, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so, learn to uh, what's the next yeah. thing? Um, what's the next thing? What was the next thing? Uh, find a mentor. Get a mentor. And not, not one. You need to have more than one mentor. Yes. You need to have two or three. And then follow them without Facebook stalking them, but follow them on Facebook and listen to their blogs and read. Um, but be interested in, in what, they're, what they're saying, what they're, what they're presenting. Um, but find three mentors and then you'll end up finding one who you will really resonate with. Now you need to find one from, from a, from a, from a uh, clinical point of view, but also find one from a personal point of view, find someone that you like and follow, follow them, what they're doing and, you know, pick up the books that they've been reading and see if that resonates with you. Mm. Um, you need to find a life outside of physio or wherever it might be. Um, and so yeah, Grab hold of someone from a clinical point of view that you can follow from from afar, but also you need to do it um, from a professional point, uh, from a, a personal point of view as well. Nice. That's number two. Number three. Jesus. Can I have the question again? <laughs> <laughs> three things you think three people things. must take away from this interview. So oh, three things to take away from this interview. Oh, oh, have vision. Yeah. Know, know, know your why and know you, what your vision is, what you want to, why are you doing this? Why are you getting up in the morning? Mm. Why, why do you get up in the morning to do what you do? If it's not because you love what you do, do something else. Because people will see through it if you're faking it. Yes. They will know that you've lost interest. If they know, if they think that you know, for, if they think for a minute you're just doing this for money, they will see right through that. Mm-hmm. 100%. And they do see right through it. And, they, and you will lose them forever. Yeah. And they will tell <laughs> X, Y, and Z, you're just doing it for the money. But if you truly do it because you truly love what you do, and it will show when you truly love what you do, it comes across in your mannerisms, the way you speak to people, the way you carry yourself, how you interact with the other staff members. Mm. They see that. If you, and it, you've got to have fun with what you do as well. Absolutely. And the work is hard enough. We're dealing with oh. people when they are vulnerable. Yeah. The work is hard enough. <laughs> from, from a physio point of view, like we, we are a little bit like counsellors because when they're on that table and we're treating their back or their neck, my God, do they tell you some stuff. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. I, I didn't realise I had to be a counsellor at the same time as a physio. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> that there's possibly another subject stream. Oh, God, yeah. to Sometimes you go, home, you go home mentally exhausted as well as physically, physically exhausted. Absolutely. Right. So, Dean, how can people get in touch with you, especially how can they get in touch with you about your practice ready? Sorry. Sure. I'm... Yeah, private practice prepared. Um, yeah, just check us out on Facebook. Yes. Private practice prepared. Uh, yeah, on Facebook, just private practice prepared. Um, we have a website coming up soon, privatepracticeprepared.com, um, or you just give me a buzz. 
just shoot me, shoot me, shoot me, shoot me a message on him on uh, Messenger. I don't mind answering questions. I love answering questions. Um, particularly new grads, if you've got burning desire or a question that you're really not sure, yeah. um, if you're in a clinical situation, you're stuck with a with a client, you're not sure which way to go. Just shoot me a message. I don't mind answering questions. I love answering questions. I love students. I was a student once. <laughs> <laughs> you're fantastic. I'm still a student. <laughs> the links to how you can get in touch with Dean will be available uh, on, on the podcast and on the show notes. So we'll make sure that you've got all of that. It's a really generous offer, Dean. So oh, we'll see yeah. how we go with that. All righty. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Welcome. Go, I look forward to um, chatting to you again. Thanks. All righty. Bye. Bye. Hello, it's Joe here. Thanks for listening to this interview today. I trust you're enjoying them. I trust you're learning from these interviews. It was such a privilege for me to be able to conduct them. And I have learned so much um, as I've prepared for creating the book, The Entrepreneurial Clinician. If you're looking for more information or how to purchase a copy of the book, The Entrepreneurial Clinician, head on over to joemuirhead.com forward slash book.